Welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. I'm your host, Maureen Spielman. Today, I sit down with Leslie Bost and her partner, Juan Diaz Rivera. Super excited to interview them as a couple and join in this conscious conversations about what it means to be in a conscious relationship with your partner. Leslie and Juan are very vulnerable in this conversation, taking us down you know, the different paths of their relationship and how they came to be present with both themselves and with one another and um, really taking full responsibility for doing their own work and looking at the parts of their childhood that they were bringing into their relationship. So thank you for being here. It's going to be a great conversation. And I just want to point you to the show notes. Leslie is going to be starting an eight-week mentorship program for mothers. I love the title. It's called The Ever-Evolving Mother. And um, please take a look. It's going to be just beautiful. She's going to recruit in all of her knowledge from her many, many years of studying. It starts in just a couple of weeks, and you don't want to miss it. Okay, with that, let's go to the episode. Hey there, welcome to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. I started this show to highlight the intuitives, healers, and other courageous women that I've met along my journey and continue to meet. Through amazing interviews, I seek to ask insightful questions to uncover ways in which you, the listener, can apply the wisdom and knowledge to your own life. I believe that we're all in this together, so sharing healing and joy and bringing community together is both my passion and purpose. If you'd like to learn more about the Mystical Sisterhood community I'm building, please visit www.mysticalsisterhood.com. See you in the episode. Welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. And today I'm here with Leslie and Juan, who I had introduced in the intro today. Um, I can't thank the two of you enough for being here with me. I met Leslie on my journey with Dr. Shafali's Conscious Parenting, and um, that was just a beautiful road we traveled together. And then Juan came into my life um, through <laughs> Susie Lula's Soul Care Certification. So we mostly know each other from video screen, Juan, I know, and you too, Leslie. But um, you live in Mexico. I know you travel the world and share for children. And so um, today we're here to talk about relationships. And I think that relationships are something that definitely intrigue me. They make the world go round, yet we don't have a lot of training in how to do them. And so um, I know the two of you to be so deeply committed to the work and practitioners of um, desiring to be in conscious relationship and so willing to take a look at yourselves. And I know that because it's the training I've been in with you. And it's the it's what's asked of us as we are in relationship with another. So um, today, I really want to look at, you know, when we're in relationship with you too, it's with, with anybody, but today it's with your primary partner we're talking about. What does it look like? We all come to each other with different backgrounds our different life experiences, possibly our own traumas, our woundings, the things that are our shadows from the past. And so, you know, one of my 
I guess, questions today will be around, you know, how do we bring these together in loving relationship? Because I think so many times we come into that loving relationship and then across time, you know, our backgrounds, be, they might begin to collide a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, that it's, it's looking at like, okay, when we hit these places, how do we move? Can we move into a more intentional, mindful uh, space of consciousness where we're considering how we show up in relation to the other? And so it, that's just, I know, Leslie, you and I had talked about a few pre-planned questions, but just to introduce the audience to you, I'll start with you, Leslie, and you know how you find yourself sitting here with me today talking about relationships. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for, for having us here. Um, I love sitting here with you and just having this uh, candid conversation and especially sharing here with my significant other and my husband and partner. And um, like you said, we share four children and a lot of history, um, 22 years. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I am so grateful to you. And how do I find myself here? I think it's been, you know, a combination of what the universe has um, brought onto my life uh, in this in this incarnation, um, and this soul feeling of wanting to really transcend and evolve certain things. Um, I feel it in my the core of me, you know, like this this sense of of wanting to. Um, be more in my heart space and understand more from my heart. And that I think uh, eventually led me through a lot of hardships um, to conscious parenting where we met. Um, and when I say hardships, I mean, because, um, you know, through the typical parenting journey, things that happen and that trigger us and that I thought this is this cannot be the way. And um, which eventually led me to, to Dr. Shafali. And that led me to uh, Susie Lula, who we both share as a, a mentor as well. And, um, and that started to really change how my relationship was with my husband, not only my children, but when I started to peel all of these layers, there was a disconnect in, in, you know, where we were. And, um, I think at one point we had to make a choice whether we wanted to have this relationship to be a conscious relationship or if we were going to um, let each other go in different ways. And that was a really hard, a really hard time. But I think that that's what led then us really working towards, OK, we want this to be a more more of a conscious um, growth and evolution for us as, as partners. Right. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Um, yeah. Good to see you again. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, it was a straightforward, um, you know, we share four children. I don't think we were going to let each other go, like not see each other because we, we share four children, but, um, we were definitely in a position to have to redefine a relationship. Um, I think as Leslie peeled away the layers, um, it forced her to really take a hard look at kind of where she was and where she wanted to go mm -hmm. and in that process to question everything. And in questioning everything um, to kind of question our relationship, which um, made me understand that I needed to be a, a more, um, more together, more uh, all around, well-rounded, right? I was very uh, unidimensional. I was very focused on work. 
Um, Leslie was very focused on children in the house. And, uh, and when it became evident that uh, we would just kind of, uh, uh, we woke up one day and, and a lot of stuff had happened and we needed to define our relationship again. Um, I needed to be more well-rounded. So I, that took me to do a lot of personal work and a lot of, um, a lot of kind of soul searching to understand, you know, how I could be a good father. Right. Yeah. Because in this, in this moment that I'm, that we're describing, um, you know, we, our relationship had reached uh, a turning point. We were either going to be consciously together or consciously apart. <laughs> there was no, uh, yeah. there was no uh, other way of going at it. Um, and, and the consciousness part of it, I think becomes the self-aware, uh, vulnerable, um, you know, um, conversational acknowledgement that uh, the you have we each have our own work to do and that we each bring all this you know the stuff that we assembled or accumulated over the course of a lifetime right just scars and um and, and wounds and things of that nature that that we got as kids and then as young adults and then as you know and even in our own in our marriage uh as as young you know newlyweds and then um and then we bring that to the table. And so now with that and looking at that, acknowledging that and making space for that, you know, how do we, what's the, how do we best, um, you know, share this, these children and share this life. Um, and so through that took me to, to, you know, work that I did on my own and work I did with therapists and coaches. And then through uh, blessing invited me to be a part of Susie's um, collective. collective, which was awesome. Um mm-hmm. I met uh, you know four other guys that were doing it as well, which was phenomenal, and uh, and then having that relationship with those guys was was fantastic because we could speak the same language, and then onwards to you know to, to continue our work I guess from there um, to continue our work daily and to continue our practice and then to be invited here uh, with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love so, it. Well, thanks for sharing both of your you know sides of that question and um, what I see and hear is that. Perhaps Leslie and Juan, you may have been on the path somewhat even before, but that Leslie, you stepped into these teachings that really just opened up your world to a lot of new questions. And and I'm and I'm knowing self-reflection as well. But then there was an invitation for Juan uh, to partner in on that. And like I'm sensing on Juan's side, there. I don't know if for a time there wasn't a willingness, Juan, to enter into it. You know, I think Leslie and I have both been very curious um, just about all things. And I think that's one of the things that has drawn us together. Um, One of the reasons we travel a lot, because you mentioned, you know. And and, and in that curiosity, I think I've always been a bit of a seeker um, of, you know, different philosophies, different ways of looking at life. Mm. Um, But that also made me a bit of a chameleon. And so uh, in this process that where she kind of began, I guess, peeling back the layers of what she had become, right, to try to find the human that she had been originally. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, um, you know, obviously changes or makes you look at yourself in that way. And so, I mean, yeah, initially she was taking all these consciousness classes and mindfulness and, mindfulness meditation. and meditation. And we kind of found meditation at a similar time, but I was more intermittent about it. Um, and I would really, I, I was a work, I am a workaholic, um, and I'm going to always be <laughs> addicted to my work or addicted to doing stuff. And, uh, and she, you know, I was always easy for me to justify not continuing with it. Right. Uh, right. it was always a negotiable part of my existence where work was the non-negotiable. 
Um, and I would I, say you're a recovering workaholic. But. Well, I'm, I'm always, <laughs> it's, I honestly feel like it's just a daily, you know, it's a daily decision, decision um, yeah. just like a lot of things. But so I, I think, yeah, I was reluctant. Um, and it was always because my work, right? I'm, I'm so busy. I've got all this stuff I have to do. I've got the pressure of five other humans, survival and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and a lot of that uh, story that you tell yourself. So, yeah, I was a reluctant participant in it. And now she was really, um, we kind of made a, a deal at one point in our marriage where, you know, we had more kids than than that we could manage without one of us being full time. And we really had a conversation where we said, listen, which of the two of us is the best equipped um, for this caregiving? Um, and at that time, Leslie's career was on fire. So she gave up a successful career because we both recognized, even though she was, well, she's tremendous at everything she does, but she was tremendous at that, that she was a better caregiver for these young kids than I was. Mm. So we made a deal. You focus on the home and I'll focus on work. Um, and it was funny because we kind of both were, um, I think, stoically resentful. Well, we took it very seriously. <laughs> right? So I was like full on children, mom mode, and he was full on I'm provider mode. And in this um in, in this space it became very lonely because yeah. then we weren't even though the idea was to work as a team we really were working on like alone yeah. right and it's it, little pieces of the equation start you know chinking away at that but in that process uh yeah i mean i i really was a reluctant participant i mean she would you know here you should read shafali's book I'm like oh sure i know i should <laughs> i'll get to that and I'll be like, just give me the cliff notes. Like, tell me what I, you know, tell me what you're doing. I'll, I'll try to support you as best I can. And so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I made room for her to do what she wanted, what she needed to do, but I, I wasn't enthusiastic and I wasn't collaborative. Um, in fact, for a time we would tell our, our two oldest boys, if I remember this, we would say, Hey, listen, daddy has a way of doing things. Mom has a way of doing things. It's a little and different. It's different. Um, you know, so you're just going to have to, grandma has a way of different things. We kind of had yeah. this way of explaining and it is true everybody has a way of doing things but um one day um i saw the connection that she had with her kids and i was like wait a minute like i want that right and it wasn't about um the authoritative parent that i was kind of modeling myself after because that's what i had seen um and i had both models in my home right i had my mom who was almost like my sister so not a mother relationship, but a lot of very connected as a child. And my grandparents, which were really the parents and the, and the family and the household, very authoritative. And I began being my grandparents as a parent. Yeah. Um, and I kept going back to like, oddly enough, my mom is now my grandparents um, in terms of her style of doing things. But when I was a child, it was that way. So I had a great connection and I grew up with a, a connected parent that would, I would do things to be because of my connection. Um, also because of, you know, other things that I took on as a child, but, um, but I wanted that. I wanted, I wanted our, our kids to be collaborative and, and, and want to do things, not be submitted to doing things. And so I got more involved. And when, obviously when, you know, we got to a breaking point, we, I thought I'm going to be a single dad and I don't want to be the authoritative disenfranchised, you know, um, unconnected parent. I want to be a connected parent. Mm -hmm. um, so I got into parents parenting for real. And I think that was, you know, like that wasn't, it wasn't a condition. It wasn't like, oh, if I do this, you know, maybe, I mean, I was, I, I kind of pretty much thought it was a foregone conclusion. We were not going to continue together. And 
And so I was doing it just to be a better human. Yeah, at this um, point, it wasn't like you said, it wasn't a condition because I had learned that the more I pushed for him to come into this world with me, the more I took from myself. Right. And so um, the more judgment I had towards him was actually the judgment of me not going deeper. And I was using my energy to try and control him to do something and not for me to keep going into my my path. And I think it's like many things. I mean, I, I don't I think until you reach that point, whether it's in your personal journey, you know, I don't know. You lose something. You lose someone. I, I'm speaking as a yeah. as a guy, right? As a man, I think um, until you until you come to it. Well, I think everyone has to come to it under their own terms. But I think men in general, because I, I mean, in the work that we've done and now being part of the collective and all of different groups, I'm I, I I hear more. You know, this is a path women find and follow and kind of drag us along, right? Um, and I do. I don't think you can drag anybody along with it. You. Yeah, everybody has to come to it under their own terms. Like we've got some friends that are also part of the Shafali, Susie kind of uh, environment uh, ecosystem. And uh, the same thing. I mean, I found, I kind of found my way to this through maybe, you know, my master's brought in, my, brought in meditation, oddly enough. And then I, I did yoga through the pandemic. And, and we found a lot of parallels in the stuff that I was reading around yoga and the stuff Leslie was reading and learning around Shafali that we could begin to actually have some resonance and have some point of comparison. Um, so we each kind of found our own path. And the same is the case, I think, of some of our friends that are in a similar kind of dynamic. You know, a guy, maybe, you know, new business, turning a different page, maybe, you know, huge creator of a business, you know, depth of a, of a human in their life, something kind of shakes you up yeah. and, and really makes you, wakes you up, you know, it really kind of makes you conscious uh, for the lack of a better term of what you're doing, what you've been doing or not doing and what you want to do more importantly. Um, and I think that's where it starts, right? You kind of go, Oh, wow. I, I want to, I, now I understand. And I kind of want to get to the bottom of, of not where I have, not who I've become through inertia, right? In this case, a bit of our kind of pact on all work and you do the family and then all the other things that shape your inertia, right? As a professional guy, expectations of your parents, family business, whatever those things may be. Right. And now all of a sudden, well, what, what really are you, what do you want to be? And you kind of need to do that work, go inside. And it's that going inside in parallel to begin, at least in our case, that began to give us another point of, of a confluence, right? The kids had become logistics and a beautiful shared experience and, I mean, an amazing opportunity for growth, but it wasn't until we took the, I took that and turned it inwards that I really began to understand the journey you were on, that we had a lot of stuff to kind of go back and forth on. So, yeah, I think that's that's the net effect of how, I guess, you know, a conscious relationship comes. Oh, I love it. There was so much good share, sharing there. Uh, what came to mind for me is it was a decision that you consciously made to go forward at a point that could have gone another way. And that you both took responsibility for the way that you were showing up. And I think that's profound. And I think it's what you're saying. You can't lead someone else to the work. You can't make them do it. And Leslie, I can speak to, you know, how you talked about the projections you were making on Juan. And I've done the same myself. And it's the process of really being able to see ourselves 
in that process. And we know that's not solving any problem. That's coming from almost like, I'm going to fix him. I'm going to change him. And if we're, if we're with a partner and we have this desire to change them, it's just not a fruitful, like productive process. Well, codependent cycle still trying to be more conscious, but still trying to see, yes. or, you know, and when they don't change, then you become a victim. Oh, why aren't you changing? And so um, stepping out of that and coming back in and that's, so really that's what a conscious relationship is. Um, it is knowing that the most important um, part element of the relationship is first and foremost you. And this happens even with our children. We know that in conscious parenting, but with our partners, a conscious relationship is having a committed sense of growth of service to yourself, then your partner, and then obviously to the collective growth around you. Um, but it's, it's this, um, you, you can't have the service to the world, for example, and not care for you, right. Mm -hmm. Or to your partner and not care for you. So it starts here. And then, um, once I know myself, I can connect to myself. I know my triggers. I, then I can really start to see my partner for who they are, not wanting to change them and And communicate, communicate Mm -hmm. those realizations so that the other human in the dynamic can also respond and show up for you and put, you know, obviously in parallel doing your own work to show up for yourself first and advocate for yourself. Listen, I feel this, I need this. I think this, um, and then listen, and and then, you know, be in a position to hold space and like collaborate on it. Uh, Cause if you, you know, just arrive at all those realizations and don't communicate them, you know, it's a very lonely, but also be very difficult because the other human in the in the dynamic can't, you know, dance with you. So, yeah. and it's so hard for all of those listening who are in a relationship and are already on their journey, but their partner is not. Whether you're a man or a woman, um, it is a very lonely place to be initially, and not having your companion, your life companion, who you've chosen, or maybe the uh, father or mother of your children to not be on, on this path. Um, so my advice, I guess would just be continue to come back to yourself, trust in the process for yourself, because you're not doing this for the other, you're doing this for you and the other might or might not, um, meet you, but having a relationship with yourself first is going to be, you know, the, I guess the, the dessert. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it made me think of um, how we hear and we know that we often turn to the other. That's the way we were kind of conditioned. The other can meet our needs. And what I hear you saying is that, no, you, you go to yourself first to understand what your needs are and to, you know, Leslie, I know that you do a lot of work around reparenting. And can you speak to what you mean by that or why that would be beneficial in relation to a relationship? Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, for me, conscious parenting is synonymous to reparenting, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I think we we know that at one point uh, Shefali mentioned, I don't know if you remember, but she used the word parenting as like a hook to get parents in because she knew she had to get to the parent. But they, you know, they wouldn't come in if it wasn't for the word parenting. Um, do anything for your kids. Yeah, exactly. And so reparenting is this concept 
which I think is getting to be more and more well-known. But in short, what it means is now as an adult, you give yourself all of those things that your parents could not give you, not because they didn't love you or they didn't care, but they just couldn't. They were living with their projections, their perceptions, their traumas, their wounds. And there are things that were not um, needs that were not met when you were a child that you carry and you bring on to your parenting, your relationships, your friendships, your work. I'll give a quick example. Um, And this was right around the time that uh, on this inflection point, but uh, my son has a remarkable ability, uh, you know, to, to be a mirror. And so one day he did something and uh, I grabbed him and I put him down really hard uh, on a couch, but the couch, I didn't know the couch had a, a, a piece of wood that was kind of like odd geometry. So when I set him down, he hit his bump. Um, and he had been screaming and I had just not been able to take it. I just couldn't manage the screaming. Um, and so I went back and I did, actually did a bunch of work with, with my coach and I did some inner child meditation, realized that I had never been allowed to scream as a child. Mm. My mom uh, lived with my grandparents and my grandparents, well, they were children of the twenties. Yeah. Um, and they were not allowed to scream. And so you were not allowed to scream. You couldn't yell. You couldn't be destructive. Um, and so I had to go back and do a bunch of, you know, visualizations and meditation and, you know, um, dynamics included in talk therapy to figure that out and then to allow for it. And later I can now be fine with screaming. I mean, I won't, I'll tell you that I enjoy it, but I also <laughs> recognize that yeah. it's part of them finding their voice and that it's important for them to show their emotions and that I should probably do more of that than they, than I do. And so like, that's yeah. a way of, I reparented myself through facilitation, right. To, to, yes. to go of some baggage that uh, was keeping me from enjoying my children. Right. Which, yeah. Hey, and so that's so, an example. You know, maybe his need was he needed to be heard and he couldn't be heard. And so how can we go to that need when we reparent and really hear ourselves and um, respect those needs, witness them, see them for what they are, and then give ourselves the love that mm. that we actually needed. So that, yeah, I love that example. And, and that's that's basically how I use reparenting for myself and with my clients. And I, I, I mean... The reason why having a conscious relationship is impactful in my life, right, as a guy is because I can have this conversation with Leslie and say, hey, listen, like I'm having a really hard time with yelling, right, or with something else. And I just find that it really just puts me in a state of mind that I that is not like very cognizant, right, that I just kind of shut off. Okay, well, I'm going to go work on that. So cut me some slack and then I'll go work on it. Maybe over the course of a week or two or three or four or whatever, however long it takes me to talk to my coach and journal and (laughs) do the things that I need to do to work through it. um, Then maybe I'll come to you and say, Hey, I think I've sorted this out. Right. I need to, I need to make some space for this piece of it. Um, And please, when you see me do that, like, like I need you to do this for me. Right. I've realized that my love language is touch. So just touch me gently. Mm, mm-hmm. Your hand on my shoulder. Say, Hey, like yep. I will ground me. I'll come back. Right. And I'll remember to respond versus react. Now that is not always possible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we have two kids, two boys, all of a sudden one of us beating the other one up and like, I'm just going to grab one of them and rip them off his brother just so, <laughs> so that they don't hurt each other. Right. Um, but as soon as I calm down or as soon as I, I remove that, then Leslie knows, Hey, okay, that's, that's okay. Like, 
if, you know, if she still sees me that I'm yelling or very like in fight or flight, she kind of will know how to help, you know, uh, offer assistance if she thinks it's necessary, or I will be in a better position to assist myself because I'll recognize it and then, you know, regulate. So, so it's a way of making space for each other to either support each other if you feel it's appropriate or just leave space for the other person to kind of do their own work, right? Yeah. And have yeah. their own growth so that they can be their own best tool. Um, so that's, I think, the, big, the, the biggest piece for me in this dynamic that has been phenomenal. Yeah, it sounds like a big piece of it too is the spaciousness and to afford one another um, the spaciousness and grace to to work our own process because it's not, we, we know from any of this consciousness work, it's not a quick fix. Uh, that's not why we're here. It's part of the, our soul's curriculum, you know, what we have to work out. And I was somewhere recently and, and I was so comforted because the woman had said, sometimes what you have to work through can take years. And I was like, and I think she even said decades. <laughs> I just, you know, thought, thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel better. But just to know that it's around the intention to, you know, work together. One thing that's kind of funny, I'm thinking of today too, funny or not, is just when we come into partnership and when we come, whether it's with each other or parenting, we are bringing so many people with us, generations before us. And our work here is really, I like your, both of you saying that it's our own personal work because our, in this lifetime, it's to know ourselves so deeply as our, just our wholest, most authentic self. And so, um, you know, yes, those voices are coming through and that was our default, our programming, but what if we were able to cultivate who we truly were meant to be? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You know, today we were talking, we knew we had the podcast with you and we were just um, talking about what our relationship looks like now that we are more in, in awareness of ourselves. Yeah. And, um, there was five things that we, that we discussed that we think are important to, um, to just have in mind when we're looking to have a conscious relationship. And the first one is obviously what, what we mentioned initially, what is a conscious relationship? You're always prioritizing your growth as well. And that way you can prioritize the growth of the couple and then the collective growth, right? That, I mean, that's just like, you know, uh, airline, airplane crash survival 101. <laughs> Put on your own oxygen mask before the person next to you. because. And the thing is we're indoctrinized to think that that's selfish and we have to drop that belief. Uh, it's yeah. a limiting belief. And because the more that we can come back to our heart and learn more about ourselves, the more open, and we don't do it to be more open. We just, it just happens naturally. Right. So, so we talked about that being um, the first and then the other, which he's been um, giving some examples is taking responsibility for our own stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like the triggers that we come with, like you said, we all come with voices and you know, stories and all sorts of um, things that are passed down generation through generation. And so taking responsibility for that, because there are certain things that maybe the screaming triggered Juan, but it didn't really trigger me as much. Yeah. Right. And um, I mean, that's just an example. And why? Because the way that he grew up and the, the yeah. what he's bringing his baggage. Right. Um, and that was evident because I would look around at people that you know, didn't care that people were screaming. And I was like, why does it not bother them? And it bothers mm -hmm. me. It was like the pitch, the noise. Was yeah, like yeah. 
Um, so yeah, taking responsibility for our triggers and our own stuff. And then also uh, number three is allowing all feelings to be valid. So one of the things that happens in relationships and traditional relationships is that we have this fantasy you know the cinderella uh happily ever after that we're that when you're in a relationship and i'm telling you you know we we talked about us being together for we've been together for 22 years is this idea that you're going to be happy every single day and if you're not happy then you're failing you know and your marriage is not successful and you're not doing it right and all of these limiting beliefs and it's really um going back to allowing when you start um learning about yourself allowing and knowing that all feelings are valid for the person in front of you and for you it doesn't mean that the person is going to be um disrespectful or hurtful or but if the person is mad or sad or in grief or whatever emotion they're going through um to make space for that and then allow your emotions to also be uh witnessed and and ask for help if you if you need to and and that I'll, I'll add, I think one is a, uh, what I, I grew up with this conventional wisdom that you shouldn't go to bed angry. Yeah. Right? And uh, that was like uh, something passed down as a little pearl of wisdom from my mom and her grandmother. And I t- t- wholeheartedly disagree with that. Um, but it starts with feeling and recognizing that you're feeling angry, which is a challenge for a lot of guys, uh, me specifically. Um, we're just not taught that. So I think going back to the reparenting concept and dealing with your own stuff concept, really understanding and as a man, being able to name your feelings and acknowledge them so that you can make space for them and communicate them. And then you have to allow them to Leslie's point. You may have to go to bed angry. You may feel like, gosh, I, you know, I, I, I want to make it better. And I don't know if I'm traveling tomorrow, so I don't want to leave angry. It's okay. You gotta let the anger be angry. So I'll um, give you a small example about because, of course, having a conscious relationship does not mean you're not gonna argue. <laughs> so I want to, yeah, I want to put that out there. So if you're thinking that this is a perfect relationship, it is not. We, it's not linear, just like life is not linear. But that's the point that you accept the ups and downs in a different way. Um, so about three weeks ago, I think uh, we had a, a big argument. I don't even remember what the argument was about, but it was really, really big. And, um, you know, we, oh, it, it, talking about not going to bed angry. So we were like in the in our bedroom. And, oh, I think I remember now. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of, uh, schoolwork and I'm always learning and wanting to, um, expand in different ways. And it just feeds my soul. I love it, but we have four kids and we both work and life gets crazy during the day. So sometimes at night, you know, I bring my, my studies into the bedroom and Juan has communicated with me that, you know, he'd like for that to be us time more than because he used to bring work in and for me I don't see it really as work because I see it as like grow you know it's like feeds my soul like I said but in listening to him um, when I do there is something that I do urgently have to do and I just did not have a moment because there was tons of tantrums and things happening that were crazy you know I'll talk to him and say hey I really need to finish this this is the only time this is when my house is quiet because when I, the work that I do, I'm in flow. And when you're interrupted, it's really hard to be in flow. And that day Juan was not okay with that. And he said, no, 
like this is our time. And anyway, we went back and forth, but then other things came up. We were both tired. It's like 1130 at night, you know? So he started saying some things and then I started seeing them from my perspective, which was totally different from what he meant. And we were just kind of like, bum, 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 bum. and then our son ended up coming in our 11 year old. And he came in and he said, do you want some child wisdom? <laughs> he's like, you guys either need to take a break or go on an adventure together, but I need you to stop fighting, you know? And we were like, can't sleep. wow. Yeah, can't sleep. So we were <laughs> we're like, oh my goodness. Um, well, so, it, it reinforced the, the concept of sabios, which right. is your company, right? The wisdom sa- of children. Sabios <laughs> means uh, wise, ones. wise ones. And, uh, you know, our children are our wise ones. But so, they shouldn't have to come in and parent right. you. No, that's yeah. not, that's that was stop. not okay. <laughs> which we've now talked to him about, about each other. But the point to this is that when we realized, oh my goodness. I traveled the next yeah. day and we stayed and, angry for a few days and so, we allowed it. Yeah. So he left the next day and I said, please don't write me a wall of text on chat about you being upset because it's not going to be productive on chat. We, When you read something on chat, you read what you think you want to read. <laughs> And not really what the person is meaning, right? So it gave us four days to just kind of, um, you know, not be in fight or flight and come in. I had therapy during that time. We both journaled. We were ready when we uh, saw each other. We went on a date to the beach. There was no interruptions. We weren't at a restaurant or anything. And we were able to then listen and communicate. So, and allow the feeling. So um, anyway, that was a long rant about, um, you know, just allowing in making space for all feelings yeah. to be valid. Well, I love that because I was, before we met, I was thinking about how do you repair when there's a rupture? How do you repair? And that the allowance seems to be a big, a big, um, and, and you spoke your mind, what you needed to ask for Leslie and right. say like, this, what, this is not going to work for me right now. So Juan, you mentioned, mentioned communication earlier that, communicate because I think that that communication is such a huge piece and just constantly how you communicate you know I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. there's, Leslie you know we were we were going back and forth and and it was we were talking about how to communicate yeah and there's always you have to communicate from allowing for how, what would love say mm-hmm. what would love say in the situation and how would love speak because because you can't come at it from just from from a factual standpoint yeah. and you obviously have to have compassion for each other so i think it's an important element to give yourself that space and allow enough of that for processing to be able to engage from a place where you can actually answer the question yeah. how would love act in this what would love say in this situation right it's beautiful it makes me think when you were at your crossroads roads and you made your really intentions to come together in the way you have did you sit down and create any sort of agreement or was that all in conversation or how did that look for you you know if like moving forward because Juan that was such a beautiful example of leading with compassion leading with um from that heart-centered space we did yeah we did um but it came from a different place it was like Juan said what would love say and it came from a place um I did an exercise I work very closely with Geno who you know and um we help each other when we're going through things and we did an exercise where 
kind of went above the situation, not mountaintop per se, but just above the situation and was able to go into his energy and see how he was feeling. And then go into my energy and see how I was feeling. And it really gave perspective of not judging the other, but just witnessing the feelings um, and then witnessing my feelings so that then I could go and reparent those Mm -hmm. and then communicate with him. Hey, these things don't sit well with me, but then it's not coming from a place of blame or reactivity or reactivity because when we're in blame and this is for all, uh, you know, partnerships to know when we're in blame, we're an inner child. There's mm-hmm. no, so it, it was coming from a place of, of deep, um, yeah, of, of a heart wisdom. Um, and that reminds me, there's, there's a quote that I love by Rumi that I just pulled up that says, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we build these barriers where we're in relationship um, stories. We build, build these stories and then we look for love and look for love, but we forget to come back. And so when we were able to both come back, then we could, yes, we, we, we then came to an agreement of certain things that we want to, um, do differently and how we can do that. Yeah. But I think you also meant when you asked about the crossroads, kind of a bigger picture in a relationship, right? Not just in this kind of particular argument. Mm-hmm. Right. And we did also mm-hmm. do that. We came together and we agreed to have um, you know, kind of intentional touch points um, to add, to check in with each other on how we were feeling in the relationship. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we, we try to do it often just at the end of the day, you know, did you feel seen? Did you feel heard? You know, um, yeah, we asked did, I, those did I speak your language, your love language today? You know, yeah. little things like that, that help us just tweak day to day, but also we have had a few meetings really uh, yeah. since then. Or we sit down and just ask, check in, how are you feeling? You know, and, and the idea is not to get so, so far that mm-hmm. coming together requires a big shift, right? But just to try to keep the parallel lines, not intersecting. We're never going to meet, right? We're always right. going to be kind of journeying together. Um, but to try to keep that distance, you know, within something that, that feels like we're not falling asleep at the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. kind of how I feel it happened. We were just kind of like, we were on the super long drive and like, you just kind of fell asleep with the wheel mm-hmm. and you needed to like wake up and figure out that the road had gone a different direction. Well, it's, <laughs> and this leads into um, the number four of the five things that we were talking about in terms of a conscious relationship is, is practicing love with presence. Right. And um, when we, when we decided, okay, we're going to um, stay in this relationship. It is in the now that we stay for as mu- as much as we can, and so that's when we look into, um, you know, if there are stories coming in or or expectations or different things, we know that we're not we're in the past or we're in the future, right? So then coming back and centering ourselves in the now and practicing love is it sounds funny because you're like, well, love just is and it is, but we have to practice it in a relationship because things happen and we get caught up in the day or in parenthood or in work. And um, if you are not intentional about practicing love and, you know, witnessing the other, it can get, like he said, the, the instead of being parallel lines, we are uh, perpendicular and we start yeah. going in different directions. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Did you have another one, Leslie? Oh, just the number five. um, You know, we talked number one was um, always prioritize our own growth and then the growth of the partnership and and the collective growth. Number two was taking responsibility for our own stuff and triggers. Um, Number three was 
feel um, all the feel everything <laughs> you feel is valid um and it's not a fantasy um you know or rather thinking everything is going to be always uh happily ever after is a fantasy and number four practice love with presence and the fifth is to play and bring in play so we one of the things that we try to do is when we do have dates and we we have to be very intentional about making time because of our busy lives and so many children but when we do we think about uh play in side by side or face to face so we either do activities that are side by side like walks yoga we do yoga together or exercise every morning we both meditate though we're not meditating to get we're meditating at the same time but maybe in a different room but we both are in our process in this parallel lines um and we do things face to face like going on dates or talking to each other um you know or um eye gazing sometimes yesterday we were we were having fun with it because we we're like imagine eye gazing for five minutes that would be <laughs> fun. Leslie had a had a, <laughs> had a a process where she was kind of asked to give a talk about it and that was one of her points was you know I gazed for five minutes I we, said one minute I think and we were like <laughs> imagine that anyways um, yeah she don't feel safe and then that's totally it's okay you know okay um, but yeah, playing um, in the relationship, we'll take dance classes together or, you know, something that's that's fun. Sometimes um, she invites me to do these uh, ballet fitness classes. They're really fun. Our daughter <laughs> loves to watch me do it. But, you know, I mean, it's just another example of like, just have fun. right? Yes. And, and, and saying yes, when you say yes to the invitation to play, it's saying yes to the relationship. It was funny because earlier I was um, thinking of a question. And I was thinking about the keys to the relationship and I, and I thought, you know, for the lasting relationship, but then I stopped myself for a moment because I thought, you know, do I really, is that necessary to include if Leslie, to your point for number four, that presencing and mm-hmm. being of the moment in the moment, you know, we don't need to cast to the future just to right because we put so much on things, just practice in the, in the moment, in the days. I think one of you said, I think Juan, you did in something relation to something else. We make a choice every day and we make a choice in how we show up. And um, yeah. I think the future is made up of all the right nows, right? I mean, so many things can happen on a day-to-day basis that I I think the the key is just the, the weight of the expectation and the, the tacit kind of, um, I don't know how you call it, taking it for grantedness, maybe or like, oh, we've just committed to always be together. So I can't fall asleep with the wheel because mm-hmm. like, that's what we agreed. And, and that is something we also talked about. We we talked about, you know, kind of creating these blocks of, of nows and coming back at those checkpoints and just being open to the concept that it's not forever. And that those might like, change, right? That yeah. like, I always tell Leslie that I've loved her since always, because that's how I feel, right? My soul feels like I've always loved her, but it doesn't mean it has to be forever, you yeah. know? Or um, look the same. Or look the same, exactly. Right. And in fact, we've, so we've fallen in love with the same person in a different way, right? Beautiful. So, and I love Esther Perel, which you might know, she's a relationship uh, uh, sexologist and psychologist. And she talks about how many times she's fallen in love with her husband in different ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And but that doesn't have to happen. Right. It doesn't have to be. I mean, we we used to live for 20, 30 years. Now we live for 90. Right. And yes. they grew for that, right? And we yes. also are on this path of growth and change and all this stuff happens. And so you just have to enjoy right now. One um, of the things that and you make know, it for now. When I have um couples come to me, clients, and, and they say, I'm just looking to see how I can reconnect with my partner. Mm-hmm. One of the shifts that we do is that the word reconnect is already in past or uh, future mm-hmm. because you're looking to connect like you used to. You want to reconnect or you want to reconnect so that in the future it looks different. And then we take away the emphasis of the now. So what would it look like if we, instead of we say, you know, I'm looking to reconnect I'm looking to connect because we yes. come back to the now. Mm-hmm. And so connect and that's what we we try to do. It's not easy yeah. all the time. I'm not saying it's, you know, it's, it's intentional. Um, we have to be reminded a lot of times we love this conversation because it brought us to, Hey, how are we do you know, and, and having this, this conversation. It made um, us revisit yeah. some of these things too. So it was, <laughs> well, it was thank you for the opportunity yeah. to do that. Cause, uh, cause it was oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And it's, it's so inspiring and and full of possibilities for anyone listening today, uh, women, men, I hope that it's shared really widely because um, I just think it has so much promise for relationships and, and coming to ourselves. Just that's the message, come to ourselves to come to another. Um, Leslie, if you'd like to share, I always just like to end on where can people find you because I know they're going to want to look and find you and and one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Sabios. That's S A B I O S parenting, Sabios parenting. I'm also on, on sabiosparenting.com and um, launching a new uh, course for mothers called the Ever Evolving Mother, which um, you can find at sabiosparenting.com slash EEM for Ever Evolving Mother. Um, yeah. And you can always direct message me or email me through my website. Um, I'd love to meet new people and, and work with different, you know, my clients ultimately are my teachers as well. And we're all in this together. So thank you. Oh, and you find me by finding her. I'm not, <laughs> I invite him to my uh, Instagram and to, but I'm yeah. happy to be a resource, share my journey. And if I can answer, you know, questions or, you know, through the stuff that I've managed or dealt with or, work through or are working through um, provide any sense of compassion for someone that's doing the same. I'm happy to do that. I love Uh, it. Thank you. What a generous offering. Um, It's, it's been wonderful and we'll put everything in the show notes, any kind of resources. And Leslie, I love the ever evolving mother name. When I saw that on Instagram, I thought, Oh, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so thank you for being here. Thank you to the listeners for being here. Please share uh, with friends, family, if this resonates uh, with you and you think someone in your life could benefit from it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks thank for you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystical Sisterhood. If you love what you heard, please visit Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a review and share with a friend if you're called to do so. To learn more about my one-on-one coaching programs or join the Mystical Sisterhood membership, visit maureenspielman.com or mysticalsisterhood.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode.